0: A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom! Bang, 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 bang! Boom, 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 boom! Bang, bang. bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on ninety-three WIPC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled that you're with us. And uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, WIBC coverage of very exciting double overtime win for the Indiana Hoosiers to beat Michigan State. Michigan, St- Michigan State went into that game, uh, depending on when you made your bet, at, at either a 12- or a 13-point underdog. And I don't know that a lot of people thought Indiana would even cover that point spread, frankly, if I had to bet the mortgage after their performance the last couple of weeks, I probably would have uh, would have given the points. But man, the Hoosiers went in, and uh, even though they got down twenty four seven at halftime, uh, came roaring back in the second half, and uh, they they needed a little bit of luck. Michigan State had to had to miss a chip shot field goal at the end of regulation, but went into overtime and. Hoosiers pulled it out 39 uh, 31. That's exciting. That's a big deal. You know, life is better, uh, in my view, when, uh, when IU football is at least relevant and IU basketball is good. And let me tell you, the Hoosiers last night, uh, looked, looked damn good. And I don't know how good a team Xavier is going to be this year. Um, if you know, uh, about that school uh, in the Big East, located in Cincinnati. Uh, They've been a power in in years past, and Big East is obviously a very legitimate conference producing several national champions. But IU went on the road and picked up a win last night. And again, you can hear the IU basketball games here on WIBC as well. But you probably didn't tune into the Gun Guy show to hear me talk about uh, IU athletics and and, the various uh, levels of success they're having there between football and basketball. So let's get into what we want to talk about tonight. And i got to tell you, something just happened down at a gas station at uh, Emerson and Southeastern, so near southeast side of Indianapolis. And here, this is in the last 24, 48 hours. And what you had is you had a guy named Ann Victor Butler, and, uh, and Victor goes to this gas station, and he's driving a car, gets out of the car, goes in the gas station. I've seen now in a couple of different articles, it's being reported that he left the car running while he ran in the gas station. Don't know if that's accurate or not. And, and as we'll get into the reporting, including the, the, uh, the interview skills or lack thereof and the editing skills or lack thereof, of some of the TV channels and the articles, the reports that they've put out on this incident, uh, if, if, if it bears out what I'm hearing, uh, have have been both just horrifically bad uh, and uh, unprofessional. And we'll get into some of that. So who knows what ultimately the police investigation will bear out in terms of the actual facts. But let's talk about what's being reported. Being reported that Ann Victor, Ann Victor Butler, goes to the gas station... Again, Emerson and Southeastern. Gets out of his car, goes in the gas station. Another guy comes along, Dustin Phipps. Dustin decides to get in the car and steal it. He's doing so, and Victor comes out as Dustin's leaving, and that would imply that either the car was left running or the keys were left in it because Dustin's in the car. He's leaving. He's exiting stage left. And Victor doesn't like the fact that Dustin's driving off in the car that he drove to the gas station. And I started to say in his car, but that's another fact that we'll have to get into. But at any rate, and Victor doesn't like the fact that Dustin is taking off with a car that he drove to the gas station. So what does Ann Victor do? He pulls out a gun, fires two shots through the driver's side window, striking Dustin with at least one shot. Dustin drives down the road, crashes into a tree. He's dead at the scene, apparently. So that's about as much as we knew for the first few hours, anyway, that this story was being reported. And immediately, when I posted it, I posted the first news report that I saw that was from Fox 59. And I said, let's talk a little bit about the law of self-defense. And let's talk about when you are and are not justified in using force, including deadly force. And it's something I've talked about here a lot on the Gun Guy show. You hear me pitching my Essentials of Indiana Gun Law class, as I do pretty much every show. Next one's coming up on December 15th. I'll pitch it again. But one of the most important things we talk about in that class, we talk about an awful lot, You know where you are and are not prohibited from carrying a firearm under both state and federal law, how to avoid commonly prosecuted crimes like criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon or intimidation with a deadly weapon or pointing a firearm. We don't have brandishing as a crime here in Indiana, but we have intimidation with a deadly weapon and we have pointing a firearm. So we, we, we talk a lot about how to avoid those things. And a whole lot of other issues, including a very detailed discussion of the new law of constitutional carry and exactly how that works. But it, but at every class, I think what, when, what people who come and attend that class think when they're walking out, the most important thing as gun owners that we discuss, and we go into this for quite some time, a couple of hours, is a very detailed discussion of the law of self-defense. And when you are and are not... Justified under Indiana law in using force, including deadly force. And when we talk about deadly force, we're talking about the statutory definition, I mean, it's defined right there in the Indiana Code. And that's very simply defined it's force that creates a substantial risk of serious bodily injury. And then serious bodily injury is defined as well, which is much broader than what most people think. But then we get into when you are and are not justified. And one of the very first things I cover when we start talking about the law of self-defense and the use of deadly force, anybody who's taken my class, and there are a few thousand people out there who have taken this class. It's always enjoyable for me when I, when I post the next class coming up. I'll put it out on social media. And I love the fact that there will be a couple of dozen students, former students, that will pop onto my post and... Endorse the class, and talk about how much they got out of it. But one of the very first things I cover is, right up front, that there are certain times you cannot use force, including deadly force. And let's talk about that specifically. There are certain times you cannot use deadly force in Indiana, justifiably, legally. And one of those is merely to protect your personal property. I say personal property, and I emphasize that because I'm not talking about your home. I'm talking about your stuff, including your car, your car, your watch, your wallet, your, your, your personal possessions, other than your home. not talking about your home. That's castle doctrine. That's a whole other discussion. But I say right up front that you cannot use deadly force merely to protect your personal property. You can use reasonable force. What's that? It's force that's proportionate to the situation. If I see somebody stealing my car, can I grab his ass, throw him out of my car? Yes, I can. Can I shoot him? No. No. Not if he's just stealing my car. Well, going back to the Ann Victor Butler situation, where he shot and killed Dustin Phipps, according to news reports, the news reporting again on this has just been god awful, and apparently, the interview skills and the editing skills, including the ability to produce an accurate quotation from a well-known Indiana attorney who was interviewed for the WTHR Channel 13 article, all these things are incredibly suspect. We've got apparently some really rookie uh, rookie, rookie rookie reporters out there and/or editors. Who can't seem to quite get their story straight. But for instance, a couple of different news outlets, and this was repeated here at WIBC until I I called our news director and said, hey, we need to correct this. It was being reported that when Dustin Phipps was shot, it was because he was carjacking and Victor Butler. Then went on to say that
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: And Victor Butler was still arrested for murder. Well, was that true? Was this a carjacking? And does that affect the discussion on what is and is not justified in terms of the use of deadly force and self-defense. Hell yes, it matters. And we'll get into all of that. Right now we're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to kind of get back on our regular schedule here. want to take your calls. If you got questions about the law of self-defense in Indiana, you got questions about this particular scenario, you want to talk about when you are and are not justified in using deadly force and self-defense, hey, that's what I teach. That's the law I practice. And we can get into all of that. So we want to take your calls, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We'll take all your calls. But I'm going to do a very deep drill on this situation because, in a microcosm, this situation presents us with what is a source of a lot of confusion and, frankly, a lot of misinformation that gets spread around on social media and in Internet forums generally where people just simply don't understand the law of self-defense, and it doesn't help when we have some incredibly inaccurate reporting going on out there, including by one particular reporter at WTHR named John Duran, and we'll get into all of that. But in the meantime, we're taking a break. Give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And uh, tonight we're talking about the law of self-defense. And we're talking about that in the particular context of a shooting where reportedly, and again, there's been just some horrific reporting on this incident, uh, whether by Wish TV or by WTHR. But uh, a shooting involving a gentleman named Ann Victor Butler, who drove a car to a gas station left it sitting, and this is all on video. You can see this at the WTHR website. There's a security camera apparently across the street from this Marathon gas station. And the whole thing's on video. There's a a, a white car that apparently Ann Victor Butler drove to the gas station. It's sitting at one of the palms. And Ann Victor goes into the gas station. He comes out, and just as he, he's coming out the door, the car he was driving starts to back up from where it was parked in front of the pumps. And Victor runs up to the driver's side window. The driver is clearly just backing up so as to avoid other cars and turn around and leave the gas station. And our pal Buzz has called in and in, in talking to producer Carl asked the question was the person in the car that he was stealing trying to run over the owner? And By the way, there's Put owner put, put an asterisk next to owner, because apparently and Victor was driving a stolen car as well. We'll talk about whether that makes any difference. So the car's already stolen. Oh, and by the way, and Victor, reportedly, is also a felon, so he can't possess a firearm legally. Okay, we'll talk about whether that makes a difference. But there's a car, again, reportedly it's already stolen. Dustin Phipps decides he's going to steal the stolen car gets in it again, and Victor Butler is walking out of the gas station, sees his car moving, runs up to the driver's side window of the car that's just positioning to leave the parking lot. There's absolutely no indication on this video that Dustin Phipps was trying to run over and Victor Butler. None. So uh, Buzz called in. Buzz, I'll just go ahead and answer that question. You can see it on the video. So and Victor Butler runs up to the driver's side window, And this is all pretty fuzzy, but pulls a gun, fires shots through the driver's side window. The car then leaves the gas station, drives up what appears to be Emerson. And then, again, according to reports, crashes into a tree and Dustin Phipps dies. So let's talk about how the law treats all of this. And as I started to go into before the break... When I'm teaching this, whether it's to lawyers, I I teach several continuing legal education courses to attorneys and judges every year, including the law of self-defense. I always start off on the law of self-defense with a, a couple of general statements. It's very important to kind of lay the groundwork. One is when you just simply cannot use deadly force. And one is merely to defend your personal property. not talking about your home. Again, that's castle doctrine. So just set that aside for a minute. So if I see somebody stealing my car, even assuming it's not stolen, they're in my car. They're simply leaving with my car. Can I use deadly force? The answer is no. Indiana law could not be more clear on that point. You cannot use deadly force merely to protect your personal property, including your car. Does that mean I can never defend my car with deadly force? The answer to that is no. When can I defend my car with deadly force? Well, when you're in it. Because consider this, and this is what I've not seen adequately reported on by anyone. We had uh, Jody Madeira, IU law professor, was interviewed by, I want to say, Wish TV, who completely missed the mark. And when she was talking about when you can and cannot use deadly force, because in Indiana, and this is an important point to consider when you're talking about vehicles, Indiana considers our castle doctrine. Castle doctrine means I can defend my home, and I can defend my home with deadly force. I can defend my home with deadly force even if I don't fear for my safety or fear for another person's safety. I can simply prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on my home with deadly force, as long as it's unlawful. That is, if the if someone's trying to unlawfully attack my home or unlawfully enter my home, I don't have to fear for my safety. I don't have to fear serious bodily injury like I do on the street, which I'll get into. In my home, I can merely defend my home with deadly force. However, Indiana's Castle Doctrine Statute, th- that is the subsection of our self-defense statute. And you look this up, you can pull it up right now, pull it up on your phone, pull it up on your tablet, your laptop, if that's where you are. It's 35-41-3-2, and there are different subsections of it. There's kind of a preamble. And then it gets into the various subsections, including the general self-defense statute that applies to you when you're out in public. And then the Castle Doctrine provision, which talks about your home. But it says you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. There's no requirement in there that you fear personal injury, that you fear death or serious bodily injuries. We define the requirement in other contexts. You can merely defend your home, but we extend our castle doctrine in Indiana. To your cartilage, I'll talk about what the hell a is, and your occupied motor vehicle. That's the key point. That's why I haven't seen enough people discussing in the context of this shooting by Ann Victor Butler of Dustin Phipps. And that would have made all the difference in the world. If Ann Victor Butler is in the car and Dustin Phipps walks up and tries to dispossess him of his vehicle through the use or threat of force. That's carjacking. Now, Indiana doesn't have a separate carjacking statute. It's just part of robbery. That's what robbery is, is taking someone's possessions under the use or threat of force. And if you use a deadly weapon in the process, that elevates the level of felony that it is. That's what we call a forcible felony. Why is that important? Because Indiana law justifies the use of force, including deadly force, to prevent an unlawful entry into or attack on my occupied motor vehicle. That's part of the Castle Doctrine. And it also separately justifies the use of deadly force to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. Carjacking is a forcible felony by definition. Again, it's part of the robbery statute. It's not separately defined in the Indiana Code. Because if someone's taking my car through the use or threat of force, that makes it a forcible felony. Indiana law makes it very clear that I can use deadly force to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. I can also prevent an unlawful entry into my occupied motor vehicle. has to be occupied. I had a great question from somebody on social media, a friend of mine. On social media sent me a message and said, well, if my dogs are in the car, does that mean it's occupied? No. Legally, in Indiana and most states, as much as we all love our dogs, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a dog lover from way back. Got a beautiful mutt named Wrigley at home right now. But as much as we all love our dogs and consider them part of the family, they're really just considered your property, your personal property. Legally in Indiana and most other places, so now dogs don't, are, are dogs aren't going to cut it. As, my, as upset as I would be if I saw someone stealing my car with my dog in it, if I really like my car and I really love my dog. Can't shoot anybody over that. It also has to be your car. The statute says the persons, and, and in the in the context of the statute, that means the person who's using force has to be their car just like it has to be their dwelling so what are we talking about here if an unoccupied car is sitting at a gas station and somebody tries to steal it and they're not threatening anyone they're not trying to hurt anyone they're not taking the car through the use or threat of force they're just stealing an empty car can you shoot them no no and hell no and I'll, I'll get into some of the responses I got on social media about that. And again, I'm telling you what the law is. If you don't like that, if you don't think that's what the law should be, you think the law should change, awesome. Let's talk about that and, and let's bring it up with your legislators. But I'll tell you what the law is all day long. That's what I teach. That's what I practice. And you cannot use deadly force against someone who's simply stealing your unoccupied car. That's what happened when Ann Victor Butler shot Dustin Phipps. But there's a whole lot more going on here, including some really horrific reporting, and we'll get into all of that as well when we come back. In the meantime, we've got a couple people on hold. We'll go to the phone lines when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And we're talking about the law of self-defense, and when you can and cannot use deadly force in self-defense. And by the way, a very good mindset for you to have, and this isn't exactly what the law is, but I'll explain in a minute. A good mindset for you to have is if there's a gun involved, it's deadly force. We actually have a case in Indiana, and I've talked about this case A few times here on the Gun Guy Show. It's Nance versus State. I want to say from 2011. Eh, Maybe 2001 now that I'm thinking about it. But the case has been on the books for a while. And in Nance versus State, the Indiana Court of Appeals said that merely pointing a loaded gun at someone creates a substantial risk of serious bodily injury. Do you know what creating a substantial risk of serious bodily injury is? The definition of deadly force. So in Indiana right now, the state of the law is that merely pointing a gun at someone is the use of deadly force. So, by definition, if you're going to point your gun at someone, and God forbid you're going to shoot someone, you have to be justified in using deadly force. When are you justified in using deadly force? What I just talked about quite a bit in the last segment is that you are not justified in using deadly force merely to protect your personal property. I'm not talking about your home. That's different. When it comes to your personal property, your car, as we're talking about here. Since we had a gentleman named Ann Victor Butler who saw the car that he was driving being taken by a guy named Dustin Phipps, and what did Ann Victor Butler do? He ran up, shot Mr. Phipps. Mr. Phipps died. Merely taking the car did not justify the use of force. Now, when I posted this, and I explained that in a social media post, to say, hey, man, I've explained this a number of times. I explained this in my class. If you're unclear on this, come on to the next class. The next one's December 15th. You can't can't use deadly force merely to, to defend your personal property. A lot of people didn't like that. A lot of people came on social media and said, well, they used to, Hang horse thieves? Okay. We say, well, I work hard for my possessions. Someone takes my possessions, they deserve to eat a bullet. Hey, if you want to make that moral argument, God bless you. But that's not the way the law works, and that's what's important. In the meantime, we're here at the end of the first hour. It's time to wrap this up. We'll be right back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome to hour number two of the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We actually were a little late getting started in our first hour because the IU post game show, but hey, here we are. We've got a full hour yet to go. We're going to continue to take your calls. A couple of people have called in with what looked like some pretty good questions based on what they talked to producer Carl about uh, and, uh, and didn't stick around. Uh, but give us a call if you got questions about the law of self defense. That's what we're talking about tonight. And we're talking about that in the context of this fatal shooting at a gas station on the near southeast side at the corner of Emerson and Southeastern, where Ann Victor Butler reportedly shot and killed Dustin Phipps as Dustin Phipps was stealing the car that Ann Victor Butler was driving. And this story really gives us a a good context, almost like a microcosm, to talk about an awful lot of different elements, a lot of the moving pieces around the law of self-defense in Indiana and what Indiana law really says and what it what doesn't say. And my God, there's been some bad reporting. And I and I really think, and unfortunately I think I've contributed to this, I, I think it really also unfairly uh, portrayed uh, a, a, an excellent Indiana attorney named Mario Masala.
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: Uh, Who's a a solid conservative and a good lawyer and a former assistant prosecutor, but he said something as quoted anyway in this wthR article that is just horrifically wrong and it turns out that looks to be wthR's fault in terms of how they edited his quote and not his and I went out and put some pretty snarky comments on <laughs> social media based on on what Mr. Masomeomedy was quoted as saying which is just fundamentally wrong and a misstatement of Indiana law, but I'll get it to that also in a minute. But we started this discussion by saying, why couldn't Ann Victor Butler shoot Dustin Phipps when Dustin Phipps was stealing the car that Butler was driving? starts with the fact you can't use deadly force merely to protect your personal property. You like that, you don't like it, you think you ought to be able to shoot car thieves, I get it. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you for a couple of reasons. I mean, look, people are out there saying, oh, this is just Indiana being soft on criminals. I don't think so. What this is 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 the General Assembly, in terms of how they have written our self-defense laws, saying that we're not going to prioritize stuff, personal property, including cars. Hey, look, I, I like cars. I'm a car guy. I ride a Harley. I, I've, I've ridden the same Harley for 24 years. Somebody's trying to steal my Harley. I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt him, but I'm not gonna shoot him. And I'm getting a little old. I'm getting a little old to even consider trying to hurt him, frankly. And 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 do I think we should change that law? Do I think it's being soft on criminals? I don't think so. Because let me tell you what dramatically affects my thinking. I've now represented six people over the years. I've been a lawyer a long time. Been a, been a lawyer thirty nine years. Getting real close to forty. And it. In that process, and over those years, I've represented six different people that have taken a human life. And as it turned out, every single one of them was completely justified. And according to the law of the state of Indiana, they were allowed to do, they were justified in doing what they did, and, and that is take a human life. And I will also tell you, from having a lot of detailed discussions with every single one of them, that they'll tell, they'll, they'll tell you it was the worst day of their lives and they wish it never happened. And a lot of them have to really struggle with the idea that they've taken a human life. And even when it's legally justified, that raises an awful lot of issues. If you're a religious person, that raises a lot of issues. And even just on a pure moral basis. And a lot of people on social media, they like to talk tough. Oh, I'd shoot this guy. I wouldn't think twice about it. Maybe you would. I'm not taking a human life over my car as much as I like my car, as much as I love my Harley. I'm not taking a human life over that. And whether you like it or you don't like it, I'm also not going to go to our legislature and advocate that we change the laws to shoot people who are stealing stuff. I get it. I don't want to be soft on criminals. Again, I find somebody trying to steal my car. And in this situation, when Ann Victor Butler ran out, he ran right up to the driver's side window. He pulled a gun and started shooting, according to the video that I just watched three, four times getting ready for the show. That door's unlocked. I'm opening that door. I'm pulling the guy out. I'm throwing his ass on the ground. I'm going to punch him a couple of times. I'm going to hold him for police but I'm not going to kill him over my car. That's not who I am. That's not how I was raised. That's not how I prioritize things. And I understand people want to talk tough on the Internet. That's all cool. And maybe you really feel that way. And people say, well, you know, people will stop stealing stuff if we shoot a few of them. Okay, maybe that's true as well. But I can't see advocating for or ever getting a law in Indiana that says, yeah, you can kill people for stealing your stuff. Don't see it happening. Now, what's very solid about our self-defense law is I like the idea that we've extended our castle doctrine, which allows you to defend your home with deadly force, even in the absence of fearing serious bodily injury, which is required outside the home, or preventing a forcible felony which also justifies the use of deadly force outside the home. We've extended our castle Doctrine to an occupied motor vehicle. So somebody walks up to my car window with a tire iron and says, hey, get out of the car, I'm taking your car. Well, now that's no longer just auto theft. That's robbery and what we colloquially call carjacking. Guy walks up to my, iron, to my tire iron, walks up to my car with a tire iron and says, get out of the car, I'm taking your car. Does Indiana law allow me to shoot him in that context? Yes, it does. Because that's a forcible felony. It's also an attempted entry unlawfully. In other words, it's an unlawful attempted entry into my occupied motor vehicle. That's ju- That justifies the use of deadly force in Indiana. And that's a whole hell of a lot different than what we see here in this situation. That's why I was so upset. Not upset. Upset's the wrong word. That's why I was rolling my eyes and very, very critical when Wish TV reported that this was a carjacking, that Ann Victor Butler shot someone who was carjacking him. Why was I very critical of that? Why? Did I come out and criticize that publicly? Because if, in fact, Dustin Phipps had been carjacking and Victor Butler, and Victor Butler would have been justified in shooting him. That's the difference between going to jail for 60 years for murder, potentially. This is, by the way, much more like manslaughter than murder. I don't see this being murder. It's something that arose very suddenly, what we call sudden heat. That's what voluntary manslaughter is all about. But still, doing a decade or two in prison versus going home and sleeping in your own bed for the foreseeable future, that's the difference between whether this was a carjacking or not. Can you shoot a carjacker? Yes. Can you shoot somebody merely stealing your car? No. That's the difference. Nobody at Wish TV who, who oversaw or edited their article apparently understood that or they wouldn't have screwed that up so bad. But let's go into some additional details. It's being reported now, and this is through WTHR. Who knows how accurate this is? But they're reporting that, in fact, the car that I'm Victor Butler was driving had been, re- had been reported stolen back in August. <laughs> so so uh, the car that Dustin was stealing was a stolen car. And, being reported, the butler, that is the guy who did the shooting, is also a convicted felon, so he can't possess a gun. If he's a convicted felon and was carrying a handgun, he's guilty under our new constitutional carry law. He's guilty in Indiana, maybe of possession of a firearm by a serious violent felon. I don't know. I don't know what level of felony or what type of felony he was convicted of, but but any felony, if he had that conviction on his record, he couldn't carry a handgun under our constitutional carry law that now defines a new crime of carrying unlawful carrying of a handgun. Unlawful carrying of a handgun. and That includes anybody with a felony conviction. Separately, federal law says anybody with a felony conviction can't possess a firearm and you're looking at 10 years in federal prison. So, and Victor's got a whole bunch of legal problems coming up. He shot someone when it was not justified. How does the fact that and Victor Butler was driving a stolen car and was carrying a handgun illegally as a convicted felon, how do those issues affect his ability to use force and self-defense? So we'll get into after this break. In addition, what was the just horrible quote of a very well-known and respected attorney here in Indiana, Mario Massalomini? what was just a horrible quote? that again, I went out, and was very snarky on social media because it was just a flat misstatement of Indiana law, now appears, based on other folks that I know and respect a lot having talked to him about his quote, that he was misquoted, or at least edited in a way that was completely inaccurate, and completely, I think, unprofessional. We'll talk about all of those things when we come back. In, a, in the meantime, we'll continue to take your calls, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. I see Brad has called, got some other lines ringing, so we'll go to the phone lines when we come back and get into the issues I just mentioned when we come back from this break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Talking about the law of self-defense. And talking about that in the context of a shooting on the near southeast side of Indianapolis. Where a gentleman shot and killed a man who was stealing a car. And let's talk about the fact that it is now being reported that the car was already stolen. Whether it was stolen stolen by uh, the guy who did the shooting or by someone else who then transferred it over to him. Uh, Who knows? But he's driving a stolen car. So let's speculate a little bit and say he's guilty either of auto theft already from having stolen the car or receiving stolen property if he took possession of the car knowing it had been stolen. In addition, he's a felon and he's carrying a handgun, which is illegal in Indiana that's unlawful carrying of a handgun under our new constitutional carry law. And it's also a violation of federal law. So he's breaking a couple of laws. Does that affect his ability to use force and self-defense? Let's say this was a carjacking. Let's change the facts. Again, based on everything I've seen, this is not a carjacking. If you hear it being reported, this is a carjacking. The facts don't bear that out. The video I just watched several times doesn't bear that out. A guy got in an unoccupied car and tried to steal it. That's not carjacking. Carjacking is robbery. People confuse robbery and burglary all the time. You know what the difference is? Or robbery and theft. You know what the difference is? Theft and burglary. Burglary is breaking in somewhere and stealing your stuff. Theft is just stealing your stuff. What's the difference between that and robbery? Robbery is taking your stuff under a threat of force. That's dramatically different. Theft, in and of itself, is not a forcible felony, which does not justify the use of deadly force. Robbery is a forcible felony, which does justify the use of deadly force, which is why, if this were a carjacking, we'd be having a whole different legal discussion. Very important facts. But how does the fact that Ann Victor Butler was reportedly convicted—not convicted, he was reportedly committing— a couple of different crimes, how does that impact his ability to use force in self-defense? And again, let's change the facts dramatically and say this was a carjacking. Does that mean because he's driving a stolen car, he can't use deadly force? To def-
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: Defend himself. Or because he's carrying a handgun illegally that he can't defend himself against a car jacket. This gets really interesting. Because the self defense statute. In one of its early subsections, it has a whole set of rules on the use of force and self-defense. And when I'm teaching my Essentials of Indiana gun law class, I always say this is what I call the you're the bad guy rules. What do I mean by you're the bad guy rules? Well, there's a set of rules that say you can't use force at all, including deadly force, if you're the bad guy. When are you the bad guy? The first one off the bat is if you're committing or escaping after the commission of a crime. Well, there you go. If you're committing a crime, you can't use force and self-defense. So it's starting to look pretty clear-cut, right? Well, no. Hold that thought. In addition, it says if you provoke the unlawful action with the intent to injure the other person, you can't claim self-defense. Or if you're the initial aggressor. Or you're what we call a mutual combatant. That is, you've just agreed to enter into battle with somebody. Like the two drunk guys in a bar who challenge each other to go out in the parking lot and have a fight. And one guy says, you, outside, let's go. And the other guy goes, hell yes, let's go. And they both pump their chests up and they march outside to go have a fight. They've agreed to go have a fight. One of them gets hurt. The other one gets charged with a crime. Can they claim self-defense? No, they're a mutual combatant. They can't claim self-defense if you're the initial aggressor you can't claim self-defense you provoke the unlawful action and if you're committing a crime or escaping after the commission of a crime so you would think that makes it pretty clear cut if i'm driving a stolen car and i'm in possession of a handgun illegally i'm committing a couple of different crimes so i must not be able to use force and self-defense even if i'm faced faced with a carjacking right that's what i apparently just said ah why did I say hold that thought? Because the courts have entered in and they've said, hold on, the mere commission of a crime that's incidental to the confrontation and that does not cause the confrontation doesn't disallow you the ability to use force in self-defense. That the 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 the, the commission of a crime has to cause the confrontation. So one of my favorite examples, right here in Indianapolis, there was one where a guy broke into a big electronics warehouse to burglarize the electronic where, electronics warehouse. And he was going in there, he backed up a truck, he broke in, he was going to steal a bunch of big screen TVs and make a bunch of money. While he's in burgling this electronics warehouse, he figures out that somebody else is in there burgling the same stuff. Another guy has broken in, to rip off the same electronics warehouse. They get a, a little bit territorial as to who's going to steal the best stuff. One guy pulls a knife, the other guy shoots him and kills him. Question then becomes, can he claim self-defense? Well, the other guy pulled a knife on me. And what do the courts say? The courts say, no, you, com- you were committing a crime, the, cr- the crime of burglary and theft, at the time of the confrontation, and the burglary you were committing caused the confrontation. Therefore, you can't claim self-defense. If I'm driving down the street, and yes, I'm illegally in possession of a handgun, and I'm driving a stolen car, and some guy comes up to carjack me, again, that comes up with a gun or a knife or a tire iron or whatever it is, and says, get out of the car, I'm taking that car, that's my car, that's carjacking. Is the fact that I'm driving a stolen car caused that confrontation? No. The fact that I'm illegally carrying a handgun caused the confrontation? No. So in that situation, even though I'm committing a crime, that doesn't disallow me to use force and self-defense, according to Indiana courts. Very important point. There are people who are carrying a handgun illegally as serious violent felons. Which is illegal in Indiana. It's illegal under federal law. Someone tries to rob them, someone tries to kill them, Somebody tries to murder them, they still have the ability to defend themselves. They don't go to jail for murder if they defend themselves. They can go to jail for possession of a gun by a serious violent felon or carrying a handgun without a license before a constitutional carry, now unlawful carrying of a handgun. They can still go to jail, but they don't go to jail because they weren't allowed to use force and self-defense. You see the difference? So in that context, the issue is not that Ann Victor Butler was driving a stolen car or that he unlawfully had the handgun in terms of his ability to use force and self-defense against Dustin Phipps, who was stealing his car. That's not the reason if N. Victor Butler goes to jail, he's going to go to jail. He's going to go to jail for three reasons. One, he's driving a, st- a stolen car, again, if those facts bear out, because he was carrying a handgun unlawfully under state and federal law, if those facts bear out. But most importantly, for purposes of this discussion, because he was not justified in shooting Dustin Phipps because all Dustin Phipps was doing was stealing a car. He didn't carjack him. He just got in an empty car and was driving away. That does not justify the use of force in self-defense. Very important fact. We're at the bottom of the hour. We've got some folks on a hold on the phone, so we'll go to the phone lines as soon as we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. I'll tell you what, we've had Brad on hold for quite a while. Let's go to the phone lines. And, Brad, you've got a question about self-defense. I do, and I apologize. You covered a little bit of it while I was on hold. But um, you talked about the tire iron and the knife and the escalation. Where you know a weapon's a weapon. What if it's not a weapon? And this is a kind of a multi-part question, if you don't mind. Um, what if it's a bottle or a pair of knitting needles, where they could absolutely do damage or kill you? And B, does it depend on the person? If you're a 90-year-old man or a you know a, a frail little girl, your reasonable fear of, of for your life. And part three would be is the mere threat of hey, you know, you get in a car accident, and the guy jumps out of the car and says, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, no, you know what? There's a whole series of really good questions, buddy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go through each of them because um, you 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 phrase those in a way that is directly germane to a lot of real circumstances and a lot of real cases. Um, and first of all, uh, in terms of the the weapon that's involved. And you said, you know, a knitting needle or, or something else. I think when you talked to producer Carl, you mentioned like a, an axe handle or something like that, that you don't necessarily think of as a weapon, but that can still do substantial harm. Well, here's how it works. Okay. Outside the home, we're not talking about the Castle Doctrine now. You generally are justified, unless we're talking about the hijacking of an airplane, we'll set that aside. You're justified in using deadly force. That's the context of the discussion. You're, t- you're justified in using deadly force, really in two circumstances, to prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person, or to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. Now, could somebody commit a forcible felony with some knitting needles? Sure. I mean, you poke one of those through my throat? Yeah, that absolutely. Um, or even attempt to do so. Uh, separately, the, the serious bodily injury part, I have to reasonably believe that I'm preventing serious bodily injury to me or a third person or preventing the commission of a forcible felony. So how do you define what's reasonable under the circumstances? Okay. the A lot of the cases from around the country, and you don't see a lot of this discussion in Indiana, but in, in preparing to defend a self-defense case, lawyers would be wise to think in these terms. And that is typically the, the reasonableness of the decision to use force in self-defense typically boils down to three elements that we call ability, intent, and opportunity. So what are we talking about there? If I'm if I, if I'm going to say I reasonably fear serious bodily injury, and that's what justifies the use of force in self-defense, I'm going to w- want to be able to demonstrate through the evidence in my case that the person had the ability to cause serious bodily injury. Okay? what weapon they have how big and strong they are how young or old they are relative to me and frankly to go to your third question you know my my physical characteristics how big or strong i am how old i am you know it's going to be a different analysis for my 91 year old mom who's still a badass by the way but my 91 year old mom versus me where I'm getting kind of old but I'm 64 230 so definitely a fundamental difference in terms of their ability to do me harm opportunity are, are they close enough to me to cause that harm to where i have that reasonable belief that right now it's imminent that that unlawful force is going to be used against me but even if with with ability and opportunity what have they what have they done to to show me they have the intent now, you mentioned a car accident where somebody gets out of their car and says, I'm going to kill you. The mere threat, that shows some intent. But what about ability and opportunity? In other words, are they close enough to me? Do they have a weapon? What do I see? And, and the courts talk about the 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 um, totality of the circumstances. Everything I can see, hear, know, understand smell, you name it, the totality of the circumstances. What tells me this guy, he just threatened me, hey, I'm going to kill you. Which, by the way, is probably the most common threat on a grade school playground, right? You push me down, I'm going to kill you. I mean, have the words ever come out of your mouth? I'm going to kill you when all it really meant is I'm upset and I'm going to retaliate in some way. So the threat alone is some intent, but where's the ability and the opportunity? Now, I'm going to kill you, and they have a tire iron. Okay. Are they close enough? Are they getting close enough? And people talk about the 21-foot rule. We're going to save that whole discussion for another day, because, by the way, it's not a rule. Uh, by the way, we don't go into that right now. How close they are to you. What, what is the capacity they have to cause me harm? Imminently cause me harm. So all those things flow together. Those things flow together, and ultimately the question, the question for the prosecutor in deciding whether to file charges. If the prosecutor files charges, the question for a jury is, did I have that reasonable belief I was preventing serious bodily injury to me or a third person or the commission of a forcible felony? When the answer is yes, then you're justified. So to answer the question and put it all together for Brad, you know, somebody makes that threat, all right, do, was it reasonable to believe they really meant it? And secondly, do they have that ability and opportunity to deliver on that threat? Those issues are going to determine what's reasonable in my mind and whether I had that reasonable belief that I was preventing serious bodily injury or death to me or a third person. So, by the way, we, we've, now, we've now hit on the, all four of the times in Indiana that you're justified in using force and self-defense. And specifically, when you're justified in using deadly force in self-defense. When is that? Somebody stealing your car? No. That's why And Victor Butler has got a problem. So when are you justified in using deadly force? Let's first talk about castle doctrine. That's when you're in your home, curtilage, And I'll spend 30 seconds on curtilage because we could spend two hours on it. Curtilage is the area outside the four walls of your home, or however many external walls you have to your home. Outside the walls of your home, generally that you've taken some measure to protect from observation by passersby. In other words, you've done something to protect your privacy in that area. and.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: It helps if it's within an enclosure like a fence with your home, and it's where normal domestic activities occur, like eating, drinking, sleeping. Watching TV, having sex, whatever it is, the things that you do in your home, do you do those same kinds of things in this place called your curtilage? What would be a good example? Like a screened in porch. Beyond that, I couldn't tell you what curtilage is in terms of, you know, the the my back deck. No, it's just open to the neighborhood behind me. That's probably not gonna be curtilage. I don't have any privacy back there. I haven't, you know, it's not within a fence. So I don't have a big security fence or anything like that. So anyway, curtilage is very amorphous, very uh, undefined term in Indiana. I would never rely on that to use deadly force. But I can protect my dwelling, my home, my curtilage, and my occupied motor vehicle against an illegal, uh, unlawful, in the terms of the statute, unlawful entry of or attack on that dwelling, curtilage, or occupied motor vehicle. So that's one. That's Castle Doctrine. I can use deadly force to prevent serious bodily injury to me or a third person. This is outside the home or inside the home, where Castle Doctrine also applies. I can use deadly force to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. That's a a felony committed through the use or threat of force or in which there's an imminent danger of injury to a human being. Again, outside the home, deadly force to prevent the commission of a forcible felony against me or against a third person. I walk into a bank robbery. It's an obvious bank robbery. There are guns out. The guy's screaming, give me the money, give me the money. They've already shot a teller. I'm 100%, I'm 1,000% sure that's a bank robbery. Is that a forcible felony? Of course it is. Can I shoot the robber in Indiana legally? Yes, because I'm preventing the commission of a forcible felony. Now, as I always say in my classes, if you're not involved in a situation, before you involve yourself, be 1,000% sure that what you think you're seeing is what you're really seeing. Are you sure that's a bank robber, or is it another concealed carrier who just drew his gun because he saw a bank robbery? Is that a cop who just responded in plain clothes to the bank robbery? Are you really sure you that what you think you're seeing is what you're seeing? If the answer to that is yes, then you're justified to prevent the commission of a forcible felony, whether it's against you or against another person. And the fourth one is to prevent the hijacking of an airplane. Those are the four times, inside the home, outside the home, that you can use deadly force in Indiana. Does do any of those circumstances apply to Ann Victor Butler shooting Dustin Phipps? No, not according to what's being reported. Because you can't use deadly force merely to protect your stuff, like your personal property, like your car. That's how the law unfolds in this area. We get back for the last segment. I'm going to go into again some really lousy reporting and how I think it uh, has portrayed a respected uh, Indiana attorney, Indianapolis area attorney, in a very bad light, some of which I participated in, and I'll go into some uh, detail on that when we come back to wrap up this week's show. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Well, welcome back for the last segment here of the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Again, we've done a bit of a deep drill on the law of self-defense, including when deadly force is justified. And as I mentioned early in the show, a mindset you really ought to have, if you're a gun owner or otherwise, is if a gun is involved, you ought to consider it to be deadly force. Because we have a case in Indiana. It's the law of the land here in Indiana that even pointing a loaded gun at someone is considered the use of deadly force. So by definition, you need to know when you're justified and when you're not. That's why thousands of people, literally thousands of people in Indiana have have come and taken my Essentials of Indiana gun law class. Because look, I defend the cases. When someone's accused of committing a crime, like Victor Butler is right now, those are the kind of cases I defend. I want people to know what the law is. I want people to understand the correct the correct understanding of Indiana law in, in these areas—it's it, important to me, and 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 because I'm out there teaching it routinely, and I and I, and I teach again continuing legal education courses to lawyers, usually three or four a year. I just taught a CLE class on Thursday for the Indiana uh, Legal Aids, Indianapolis, I should say, Legal Aid Society. So I, I like educating attorneys on these issues as well. But that's probably why I reacted like I did when I saw uh, this WTHR article uh, written by, or at least the reporter is John Duran, WTHR, and he's quoting here in several places an Indianapolis attorney. He's well known in Republican circles. Uh, former uh, assistant prosecutor uh, and now a criminal defense attorney, uh, Mario Messalomini, and and he, Mr. Messalomini is is quoted at saying that this was not a justified shooting, and I agree with him completely on that. But here's the here's the quote that WTHR ends this article with. And this is a quote again from Mario Messalomini a criminal defense attorney here in Indianapolis. He, he's talking about the fact that this guy wasn't allowed to have a gun and he didn't uh, have the right to even uh, have the car in his possession because it was stolen. But then he And then this is the quote that WTHR attributes to him. Quote, you're still looking at murder charges, even if that was his car and he could legally possess a gun because in Indiana, the only time you're allowed to use deadly force is in your house. Period, end of story. <laughs> period, end of quote. And I read that. And, and by the way, I didn't even see this myself initially. I, I had at least a dozen people copy that quote out and send me a, a, a direct message on on Facebook or send me an email. And some people who had, who had taken my classes it said, hold on, guy. You gave us this detailed description of when you can use deadly force and when you can't. And here's an attorney being interviewed by WTHR saying the only time, and this is an exact quote, the only time you're allowed to use deadly force is in your house. Is that First of all, is that correct? Hell no, it's not correct for the reasons I just went into. Wherever you are, you can prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person. If that's being unlawfully committed against you. You you can prevent the commission of a forcible felony. So I put a pretty snarky Facebook post out there saying that apparently Mario needs to come take my Indiana law class. Since then, people I respect have reached out to him. He says he was cut off in that quote, and that he went on to, to explain when outside the home you are in fact justified. I hope that's true. If I contributed to uh, the uh, unfair treatment of Mr. Massalomini, I apologize for that. But based on the quote I saw, it was dramatically wrong, and I felt the need to let people know that. And with that, we're at the end of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you come back next week. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC.